I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Listen today as I talk to Andy and Stacy Yateman. After working together in the full-time ministry, Andy spent two decades working for the government in a position that took him to some of the most dangerous war zones on the planet. Andy and Stacy talk about war zone discipleship, how to make your relationship with God, your spouse, and your kids flourish while you're away from them for months at a time. They talk about habits they've developed to make sure their relationships grow. Stacy shares what she learned from her parents, Al and Gloria Baird. How to maintain connection and bonds of love with adult children. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I'm here with my wife, Pam Skinner, and we are excited because we're going to be talking to Andy and Stacy Yateman in just a few minutes. Yes. Babe, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. I'm excited to be here. I know, me too. This has been such an exciting start to the year. It has been. Yes. I mean, coming off the Orlando conference, that was awesome. And what I talked about with the leaders there at the ILC is really focusing and turning your attention to prayer in the ministry of the word. And talked about sacrifice. I talked a little bit about getting help. Mm -hmm. And it's been a really great beginning of the semester. I mean, I've I don't think I've ever been this focused spiritually. No, I don't think so. I'm I'm trying to keep up. Some, some <laughs> I mean, place to keep up. I'm with really you. trying. I mean, Acts chapter you six. Are, you know, you, you turn are. their attention to prayer in the ministry of the word, yeah. and it's been really exciting to see um, how how it's gone on campus. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, just so many people we've been reaching out to. Yeah, we're out of retirement from campus ministry. Oh, definitely. For sure. I mean, we are full <laughs> full on. You know, in our 50s, preaching the word on campus. It's true. It's been fun. I mean, the tabling like this last Thursday, just meeting like hundreds and hundreds of people. And it's been so cool. Like yesterday, we uh, had a study with a guy and he's just so open. Mm -hmm. Had a massive tragedy in his life last year. He's he's a a sophomore and so open. I mean, just a worthy person like, you know, Jesus said to look out for it. Look Mm -hmm. out for those worthy, worthy people, the men of peace. Yeah. And so had back-to-back studies. And so for me, it's been incredibly gratifying mm-hmm. to, to really focus on the ministry and to see good, great things happening. Yeah. And I'm hearing good things from other people too. And so yes. I'm, I'm praying that this is a kingdom-wide thing, that God is working coming out of COVID to yeah. bring revival yeah. and inspire people around the world, and yeah. especially in our campus ministries, get things going there. So looking forward to talking more about that. But I, I'm really excited about this next couple we're going to be talking to yes. because I've heard about them so many times mm-hmm. over the years. I've never really had a chance to know them, but babe, you you knew Stacy from back in the day. Can yeah, you tell me about that? Yeah, back in the day in Boston, yes. Uh, it was kind of like a, what was it? I'd call it a three musketeers. I don't know, you know. Sue McGurk and Stacy and I, you know, had a lot of fun together. We were single women back then and 
just growing up together spiritually. And of course, you know, her parents were pillars uh, of the Boston church, but it was really fun just to get to know her. You know, we would go on dates, dated all sorts of different people, you know, and so now here we are, you know, with our awesome husbands being married for a long time, have kids. So yeah, we have that long history. It's, it's great to be with you guys. Well, Andy and Stacy, welcome to the program. Thank you. Yeah. It's great. So good to be with you guys. Absolutely. Thanks for making the time. Your daughter, Kaylee, is the <laughs> one who said, hey, you need to have my parents on this program. <laughs> You're, she was in China and she emailed me and you know said, I really like the program. Can you please talk to my, my parents? I'm, <laughs> I'm inspired by it. I go, that's what I'd want my kids to say about Absolutely. me. Absolutely. <laughs> that's impressive. You know, they're not saying don't talk to my parents. Right. right? Exactly. Don't, do not talk to my, whatever you do, don't talk to my parents. But she's like, please by talk to me. By the grace of God. Right. I know. I mean, the fact that she's a missionary yep. and would want to hear from you guys, I go, that's that's high commendation. How'd you guys become Christians? So... I was blessed to grow up actually with parents that from birth um, were teaching us about God. They were in the traditional Church of Christ. So my journey was um, baptized when I was 13, but then go on a number of years when I went off to college. It was then that my parents actually um, connected with our, not then International Churches of Christ, but the church that began in Arlington and uh, they pretty quickly made some huge decisions. I was a freshman in college. Um, They decided to come over, my dad leaving his job, him becoming a full-time elder then. And um, my, the summer of my freshman year, I came and was a part of the campus ministries that had begun and was so inspired by it, never experienced anything like it. Um, went back to school. It was in Arkansas at Harding for the first semester of my sophomore year, but just felt such a difference in what I was getting spiritually there and said, I, I can't keep doing this here. So I then moved back to Boston and uh, was then in, I went to Northeastern, was there for a while, and uh, then actually was in 86 that I was a, um, I was just graduating from Northeastern and just reflecting a lot on my life. Um, some others were in my, from my background were kind of going through similar things and just realizing that really I never had understood repentance. And so um, studied the Bible very shortly because of course knew, was very familiar with the scriptures. Um, but realized that I needed to be baptized, to fully repent and be baptized. And so that was my journey and um, was actually then in the ministry. So not your typical conversion. No, story, <laughs> like but, um, pre-packaged ministry. Yeah, <laughs> life-changing and so grateful for the people in my life that just helped me to see things. Um, like I never had before. And then it just all went from there. Mm. That's great. Um, I was actually uh, working over at the American Embassy in Paris. And uh, my background is a little bit different than Stacy's. I'm somewhat of a a spiritual mutz. Uh, I'm probably like a lot of people who uh, know just enough about God to to be dangerous (laughs) when it comes to actually 
uh, having a relationship uh, with God. But uh, my mom was a very spiritual uh, woman, and I grew up um, with her kind of being brought along on her journey trying to find God. And so I went to a lot of different churches and uh, actually uh, went to uh, hear a lot of anointed teachers, my, my, my mom would always say. And um, at some point, uh, I prayed Jesus into my heart back in ninth grade and um, still didn't stop me from getting into a lot of sin as a high school student, college student. And uh, I'd go back to some church at some point uh, on my journey and hear some fiery preacher. And I'd get to the end of the service, like, what do I need to do? And I'd go up and rededicate my life. So I've done that about 50 times. <laughs> you know, so, you know, the, the grace gospel uh, is probably a lot of what I ended up falling into. And you realize how dangerous it can be to really having a changed um spirit-filled life. And so thankfully, uh, I was at a great point of uh, searching for God. I, I remember uh, uh, I my first day arriving in Paris, I'd just gotten assigned to this uh, post with the State Department. And uh, the very first day I met a disciple, uh, Dana Spangler, Wow. And Dana Spangler yeah. had just been told by her management that if she kept on talking about Jesus and her church, they were going to send her home short a tour, which was kind of like a firing. Wow. So she had this threat overhead just the day before she met me. And we wow. met in the hallway. And instead of inviting me to church, which would have been, I probably would have never come. She invited me to play basketball with friends from her church. And so I ended up four days later. At a pickup basketball game uh, there at City Universitaire in the south of Paris. And I met uh, Brian Scanlon, uh, John McGurk, Kelly Petrie, a lot, a lot of great, wow. uh, Dan Bathon. Had a great time playing ball with them. And they ended up inviting me to come to church the next day. So uh, I ended up at church and just the perfect setting for me, for my heart to be moved. Um, it was a small missionary church, about 120 people. And uh, the first thing I kind of remember was, uh, or thought, this is pretty interesting. It was all in French. I didn't understand anything because I had very um, rudimentary French skills at that point. And uh, I just remember everyone wanted to sit up close to the preacher. And I was like, <laughs> That's sitting different. in the back. I was like... <laughs> You know, some of my old denominational ways of get into the back so you get out quick uh, or kicking in. And then the other thing that kind of hit me was everyone sang so pa passionately. It was all a cappella, which was kind of different for me also. But uh, even really bad singers were singing as loud as they could. And I, I was just shocked, you know. And I've been to churches where uh, it was either a rock band or it was these gray-haired gray old ladies who were singing that was it so uh, i knew something was very different and i kind of wanted to check it out more and thankfully the perfect person to invite me to study the bible was a, a father of four children he'd uh, just become a disciple about a year ago and funny story was he actually a year before right after he became a disciple uh, met with albert and they went out to a garden there and prayed that 
he would meet someone and study the Bible with someone. And here it is a year later, he runs into me during the fellowship and um, he invites me to study the Bible. And I'm just so grateful. He was really at the stage of life that I wanted to be at. I wanted to be married and I wanted to have kids. And, here he was. and uh, so I said, sure. And I was thinking back in my mind too, if this is what it takes to keep on playing basketball with these guys, uh, yeah, sure. This is the small price I got to pay. But um, we studied the Bible and I was hooked from that point on mm -hmm. about three months later. Um, I became a disciple and was baptized into Christ uh, October 29th, 1988. 1988. Okay. Wow. So, man, a lot of amazing names they're brought up. Do we know Dana Spangler? Yes, it's Dana Pitts. Dana right? Pitts, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh from San gosh. Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, of course, honey. Wow, she, okay, yes. that name is like yeah. oh, amazing honey, person. Yeah, she's the one that told me about you. I know. She said you need to meet oh, Rob wow. Skinner <laughs> in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. She's had a big impact on uh, both I'll our bring lives. bring many together, yeah. yes. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Okay, so so you guys, all right, so you, you be, both become Christians in different ways. How'd you guys end up getting together mm, oh yeah remind me of this so, so i say we have a fairy tale like story um because i was i had just moved to london to go into the ministry and honestly had just been through some just challenging times i had dated i was 26 years old kind of like pam mm -hmm. said dated many different ones <laughs> but this one had been a serious relationship we'd broken up and I was kind of at that point of, we, we did not have the blessing of nowadays, everyone meets virtually, there's 20 million different ways you can meet someone and be in touch with someone across a million mm -hmm. miles. So I thought I knew all the brothers in the kingdom and I was at the point of, are there any good ones left? Right, <laughs> right. So I was in London and um, yeah, had never heard of this guy and then he can add on to his side and how we then met. Well, um, when we met, I'd been in Paris and been a disciple for about two years. And uh, John McCurk called me up one Saturday night, said, hey, bro, I need some help. Can you get the, one of those vehicles from the embassy? We got some sisters who are coming in for a conference in Grenoble. We need to pick them up at Charles de Gaulle and take them out to the North train station. So he said, you're probably going to miss the church service tomorrow because this is going to be at six o'clock in the morning. So I went and did that. And uh, the two people we picked up were, it was um, Pat Gemple and Kim Evans. And we have a 30 minute drive together. We're talking and chatting. And uh -huh. at the end of the drive, she says, Pat Gimple says, brother, there's a sister in the London church that you need to go out with. Oh my gosh. And I was sitting there thinking, and I was very diplomatic, you know, that that's what you're trained to do. And I said, oh yeah, sure, sure. But back in my mind, I'm like, that's insane. I'm not going to do a blind date. Plus I had four sisters who were on my list. You know, every brother's got the list. Right. And I, I was kind of narrowing it down to that one sister in the uh in in the parish church and i was like i'm kind of i see light at the end of the tunnel right. of this next big decision in my life but um you know so i said sure i'll i'll think about it well three weeks later i actually had a business trip uh over in london and i thought to myself why not mm -hmm. why not yeah do this blind date so i didn't even know stacy's last name had no idea <laughs> any of her background, how she's connected to 
you know, the that, elders of the Boston church. Yeah. Okay. That, was, that was of God. Yeah. God had that. I'll figure that out. Right. Yeah. I just went in. I, my thought was I've got this business trip. It'd be fun to go out on a blind date. So I uh, went out on a blind date with, uh, uh, with Stacy. It was a double date. Um, it was the Huffmans were, uh, were our double, double date partners at the time. And, from the get-go, there's loads of pressure. I cannot tell you. <laughs> I mean, 30 minutes into the chat, the, the ladies excuse themselves to go to the restroom. And uh, Tim looks at me. He says, so what do you think? Is this the one? <laughs> Listen, I have a firm conviction. Oh, my uh, gosh. Uh, a woman's got to follow the man. Lordy. You know? I mean, I, 30 minutes into this. And then once again, I, I kept my cards close to my bed. Oh, was like, my gosh. Yeah, she seems nice, you know? Um, had another interaction with the leader of the church, uh, Doug, Doug Arthur, at the end of my time, and uh, just yep, said hi, met him, and uh, same thing. Within two sentences, it's uh, so. What do you think? And look, if this is the one, then uh, then she should follow you. And I was, I was like, I just, I've gone out a couple dates with her when I was here in London. But uh, in spite of all the pressure, uh, I will say. Um, you know, I think some people are looking for that fireworks moment of this is the one. Uh, for me, I'd say the fireworks moment was I just loved being around Stacy. She made me laugh and we laughed a lot. And I keep telling young couples or people who are dating, like, if you're not laughing, maybe this isn't the person. Right. Yeah, that's, great, great advice. That is really great advice. So I'd say the fireworks <laughs> yeah. was... It was the laughter and the fun we had. Yeah. Oh, that's a great that's a great litmus test. Absolutely. Yeah. So can you guys from that point okay, so you started dating. How when did you guys get married? We only dated we from when we met, which you know was a blind date. We dated for we got engaged one year later. And then we got married in July. So we've been married thirty one years. Mm -hmm. But if I'd say something to the young people out there, it really is a huge step of faith. Um, I was actually slated to go with John and Carol McGurk to Brussels and help plant the church. I was going to London to tell my management that I was going to quit working for the State Department and I was going to help plant a church. Mm -hmm. And um, two months after that, that was in March, uh, two months later, and Stacy and I, Stacy had come over for a wedding. Um, Dee Dee, the, Petri. Pe the Petries. Oh, okay, yeah. And um, so we got some great time then. And then another uh, month later was the Paris conference, and it just so happened my parents were there. Um, they pre-planned; they were going to be there uh, to go uh, see, do some sightseeing in Normandy with me. But they also came to the conference, so here. Um, my parents were there and Alan Gloria Baird were there and we actually had a picnic together, which was kind of, here it is 30 plus years later. It's like, oh. wow, how God put it all together. But, uh, at that point, uh, Randy McKean came to me and he said, Andy, instead of, um, going to Brussels, how about going, uh, into the full-time ministry, go back <laughs> to Boston, train to go in the ministry and um, pursue this relationship with Stacy. So we, we did a bit of long distance dating. Um, she was in London and I was in Paris for about 
six months, and then we both went back together um, to, to Boston. To Boston. Mm -hmm. and I worked in the Harvard uh, MIT uh, ministry at first, and then Stacy was in the Northeastern ministry mm -hmm. for the first four months. And uh, then they put us together, leading the campus ministry together at BU and BC for, for the next two years. So, oh. and that's when the courtship continued. And then we got engaged uh, while we were leading the BU BC yeah. ministry. And then we got married um, about a year later. Wow. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you get married in 91. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, 91. Yeah. That's a big, I mean, I know so many people married in 1991. I mean, that yes. was, it must have been like the peak yeah. year yeah. of, of yeah. kingdom marriages. So. Right. Yeah, yeah. We got married in 90. We got married in 90. It's yeah. like, oh my uh -huh. gosh. So can you give an overview of where you've been since that time? Like, mm -hmm. how, where'd you go after that? You know, can you talk a little, just give us a 30,000 foot view of your career. It's more like where haven't they been? Right. Well, listen, I want to I hear all the details. <laughs> So we, we were in the campus ministry, loved our time at campus ministry, and then uh, we were sent out to Milan, Italy. Uh, we were there for about two years, um, and then came back after two years, worked uh, there in the South Shore uh, with the McGurks. Um, yeah. we're, we're leading the South region, and uh, we were there for another 10 years. And uh, Long stretch. Yeah. Long, long, long stretch. Had a great week. Loved our work in the ministry. Would have mm. loved to have kept on doing the ministry work, but God had another plan for us. And um, uh, part of it was the church was running short of uh, finances. So the Boston church, the ministry, I think it shrunk uh, at one point from 200 full-time staff down to 30. Wow. And we were in that category of 30 and they still were running short uh, in the budget. So we were kind of the next the next to be right-sized <laughs> or downsized. Oh. So, uh, and right about that time, this is 2003, um, you know, I just, you know, you feel kind of led, you know, like uh, the, the, the spirit's kind of whispering to you. So I was thinking maybe, maybe I should look back into getting into the government. And so right about that same time, we walked into a Tuesday staff meeting and uh, we were told that, yes, you're going to be fired or downsized. And I'm just really grateful. And here's another miracle that, that God provided. Um, I'd already been kind of researching, how do I get back into the government? And I'd been given a phone number of the employment verification office. It was a fax number. I sent this fax in saying, uh, what was my last, uh, my last GS rating? You know, where, where was I at on the, the pay scale? And um, then the second question was, I'm looking at a job transition. And would, would the government be interested in me coming back on board? And the crazy thing is, I faxed it in on Wednesday. Friday, I get a phone call. I'm at a swim meet with my two oldest daughters, Kiata and Kaylee. And it was a guy who was in the recruitment office. He had just started that day. And somehow that fax ended up on his desk. And he looked at that, my name, my contact information, and he knew me from 13 years before. Wow. wow. He made some phone calls, and huh. all of a sudden he's calling me up saying, 
hey, listen, I'd like you to come in for an interview. Um, and uh, when can we make this happen? So as much as I was feeling kind of personally at that time that the ship was sinking for Stacy and I, <laughs> um, God provided a lifeboat. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I could get, at that time we had four daughters. Uh, I We couldn't afford to have uh, a long stretch of unemployment. Yeah. So um, I very easily and quickly got back on board um, with the government. And uh, 2004, we moved here and uh, we have been here ever since. In Northern Virginia. Later, yes, in Northern Virginia. It wasn't saying what here was. So thank you, Northern Virginia. But 2006 Four. to 2009, yeah. Um, with his job, we got to move to New Delhi, India, right, and had three amazing years um, living there, being with the church there. Yeah, it's the Templars. One, yeah, with uh, Mark and Nadine Templar, and one of the most amazing times for our family. And um, then at 2009, moved back here, and um, like I said, we've been here ever since. I've been here. Andy has had different deployments where he's been all over the place, but this has been home base. Yeah. So I, I ended up doing uh, separated tours uh, to, they call them danger pay or war zones. So the first one was uh, 10 months after getting back on board in 2004. I did uh, a year in Saudi Arabia in Riyadh. And then I we did New Delhi for three years. Um, then after that, I did Afghanistan for 18 months, uh, 2012 to 2013, um, did Pakistan for three months, um, then did Afghanistan, Afghanistan again in 2017 to 18, and then 2019 to 20. So I've wow. almost had five years in a war zone, to be honest. So um, we've learned a lot from that experience. Yeah. And wow. every time we did, I got to be honest, every time we did a separated tour, Stace would say, that's the last time. We're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, Andy, you, you've had a very unique and uh, private career with the State Department. H how have you managed, with all that travel, how have you managed to uh, just grow as a disciple and make disciples with all that transition? You know, um, I think sometimes we sell shorts. Um, what war zones can be. And the great thing about war zones, it's almost like campus ministry, but on steroids in terms <laughs> of people wow. searching for God. And when you're in a war zone, there's no atheist in the foxhole. I just found it so easy hmm. to reach out to people, to have spiritual conversations. And um, a lot of people are in, you know, um, life situations of distress. Mm -hmm. I mean, and a lot of times it's because they're over there in the war zone, you know, their marriages are falling apart or mm -hmm. they've got kids that are going through challenging times. And it was so um, easy and it was very comfortable environment to share spiritually with people. And so I really feel blessed. Uh, my war zone tours were, they were they helped my relationship with God, and I feel like uh, they helped our marriage even. Um, in, our, in our first experience in Saudi Arabia, um, I was provided by the government with called an IVG line. It's basically a phone line that I could call directly to Stacy 
and I, it didn't cost me anything. It didn't wow. cost us. We realized that how little we'd been talking to each other. And day-to-day life that you don't have time to like right. really right. sit and talk because right. there's just life happening. So we would, we would talk every day at a minimum an hour, if not two hours. Wow. After the girls went to bed. And yeah. then wow. I talked to the girls every other day. And I would, you know, talk about, we, we would talk about 15 minutes with each girl. And um, they were at different stages. And it, it was, uh, it was a lot of work. You know, they, they weren't, some weren't the greatest conversationalists, but um, <laughs> we just got in the habit. We're going to, we're going to talk and share uh, with each other. But if I can add, I mean, in seeing him, I, not, not just anyone could do what he did. And I think the biggest thing that I would say is he very quickly formed great habits and his habits, especially spiritually are mm. so much of what helped him make it through where not just anyone could and nor would we greatly recommend (laughs) separated tours for just anyone and i I think he has inspired me through the years of his conviction about even memorizing scripture and that was a time where he really began to go after memorizing scriptures and so those were things that in me watching him um he could take that time and grow where not just everyone would not having, you know, the body with him and being off on his own. Okay. So that's really interesting. What do you mean by great habits? Mm. Help us out here. What, what, what were you doing that helped you to be, to flourish spiritually in isolation, far from the family? Mm. Um, well, one of the, First things you absolutely have to now, Stacy and I, we figured out that uh, we've got a Max Lucado read through the Bible, grace for the moments. And so every day we kind of stayed on track reading the same scripture. So when we talk on the phone, we could share about, Hey, didn't you mm-hmm. like that passage today in Proverbs? Man, that said a lot, didn't it? And so we, we kind of stayed spiritually in our reading to, you know, connected mm-hmm. that way. And, um, you know, the great thing about a, a, a war deployment is, I mean, you work a lot. I mean, I was working 12-hour shifts, uh, but your free time is you you exercise and you can read, you can pray, you can mm. do whatever you want. And I, I just did that. I, it was like living like a monk. You right. Know? <laughs> right. Um, right. And that was really um, what... The first time in Afghanistan in 2012-13, I was really blessed. Um, uh, there was there was a um, traditional Church of Christ worship service at five o'clock on Sundays, wow. and I'd go I'd go to that service, and happened to meet another disciple who was in the Navy. He was an EOD bomb technician, um, and he was stationed in the Norfolk Church. Okay, so he was from there, and he really inspired me. Um, he he was just studying the Bible. His goal was to baptize someone there. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we found, if you have another battle buddy, right? Um, if you have someone else who you can share this journey with, who's a disciple, it's amazing what you can do. So I would bring all my studies. I had three guys that I was studying with on my side of the base. 
and he had three guys that he was studying the Bible <laughs> with, and we would just tag team. And what what kind of learned from the experience is you can study with one person individually, but you really need someone to be the heavy, the one who's going to say <laughs> the hard things. Yeah. And you need to be more of that friend and then vice versa for him. So I would be the heavy in his studies and he'd be the heavy in my studies. <laughs> we just had this great, um, I mean, when you're studying the Bible with someone, it's amazing how much the spiritual synapses in your brain just open up and right. everything just makes sense. And you start connecting scriptures and it's that's why um i just think we need to be studying the bible with people as yeah. much as it does yeah. more for you yeah than even the person you're studying the bible with right. so absolutely but, um, okay so you mentioned a few things memory memorizing scripture reading the same bible together as mm. your partner your your spouse mm-hmm. living like a monk using mm. your, using your time <laughs> to to yeah. focus on the things that matter the most having a battle buddy and then studying with people wherever you're at, just mm. deciding, Hey, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to preach the word in season and out of season, no matter where I'm at, I'm going to use this time to preach the word. Anything else for good habits? One that I remember that he would always share again, because the time difference when we might connect and even what his shifts would be. I remember him talking about being up at night and going outside and, uh, looking up at the stars and those being some very special times of prayer that he would have. Mm. And that's what I also remember his, depending on where he was, what his shifts were, he would figure out where can I pray? Mm. And that would be different depending on these different locations, but he would also figure out that time and what that would take. And so even all just the things you mentioned, each deployment would be different, but mm-hmm. he would typically within the first week or two figure out what of those basic habits that he knew he would need to connect him to God and for us to connect. That was right. always the key That's thing amazing. too, is our connection would be different too every time. And we'd have to just figure out how was that going to work each time. Wow. But those basic things um he'd figure out and then he was very faithful to stick to those during each deployment that's and i think like he said that's why he could take these and thrive hmm. um at times that you'd look at and go really should you be doing this as a disciple right. and yet right. he looks and goes you know i grew these were amazing times of growth for me wow and and even in our marriage that we could look again a very out of the box way to go oh our marriage grew during this time that we could figure out how to how to really make it work and how to actually thrive yeah wow that's inspiring oh go ahead i'm sorry no that's okay i was just gonna ask stacy you know when you're home right you know he's on these deployments how did you manage you know to maintain a career be in studies, make disciples, and raise your family. I'm like, whoa! You better write a book. That's <laughs> we got to unpack that. Okay, I got I got to share real quick. Stacy really is the hero of my deployments. I mean, every, everyone will go, "Oh, you're in the war zone." She was fighting the battles. Back. I was oh. in my own war zone. Oh, yeah, so of course. Really hero yes, absolutely. <laughs> now it's been a few years, and uh, honestly, I've often look back on those times and kind of sit there going, wow, how did, 
how did I, how did we right. make it during those times? And honestly, I think oh, I wouldn't really want to relive that. But honestly, first off, I, I just go by the grace of God. And truly, I look at it and say, what got me through that time was God. Mm-hmm. And I think in, in my own way, I would have to also figure out my routines and my my habits for that time because each time he left it would be different the girls were at different ages um I also had begun um I'm a second grade school teacher and so I had begun my career teaching um it's very demanding very exhausting but then our girls each have like I think we've mentioned we have four girls um they each are very wonderful, very busy, very active girls. And so it was, I would have to figure out and at different stages, you know, my connection and time to God, it would look different. And I might not have very much time to actually um, focus and read my Bible. And that's where I think for me too, memorizing scriptures, letting that be what I was focusing on for the day, um, he mentioned our Max Locato, you know, I'd found for me what I could use for my quiet times that would help me each day. And I would really strive to faithfully, you know, stick to that. And I think also just people in our life, God was so good. The relational supports that he gave to us, mm. my parents, his parents, right. um, his family lives around here. So they were very supportive. My parents do not, but my my parents would come and stay with me and the girls and help out and support during that time. And then the church was so amazing. I think my relationships with sisters um, helped me so much during that time. And God was always so good to us. Um, We would figure out how we could connect. And Andy was always very engaged and involved. And so I never felt I have such respect for single parents mm. after all I experienced so much admiration and respect for them. But I, um, you know, he was always involved as dad during that time too. So, um, yeah, by the grace of God is what I say. <laughs> wow. Yeah. If I could share two things, honestly, Stacy, um, she was really, she's amazing at her Bible study. I mean, she wakes up, first thing she does is she hits um, reading the Bible, and she has maintained that. And um, I, I just got to hold her up because I think she has had uh, an amazing habit of Bible study. And set, the second point um, is that we felt so much support from Alan Glory Baird. Mm-hmm. Not once did... My father and mother-in-law come to me and say, what are you thinking? Going to a <laughs> war zone? Right. Um, they never, they looked and, uh, in fact, I would always, before I'd take an assignment, I would ask advice about. Mm. I never did an assignment without getting advice. Mm. And, um, you know, uh, we would, I, he was part of my little team of guys who, advisors, of advisors mm-hmm. um, who would, would give me input. And um, don't think he always rubber stamped, you know, take this job. Um, there was one job he said, please don't take this. Mm. Um, and he he was just concerned, you know. So, and surprisingly enough, it wasn't the war zone. Um, 
I was looking at an assignment in New Mexico City, and he said, please don't don't go to, don't take your family to New, New Mexico, Mexico. Oh, to Mexico City. Mm. I'm sorry. So that was, um, I, I put the kibosh on that assignment just from what he said. So, but uh, we felt a lot of support from Alan Gloria. And their mindset was always, what can we do to help you guys get through this? Wow. Now, what year did it end, Andy? When did you stop doing those deployments? Um, so it finished um, March, let's see, March uh, 31st, 2021. That, okay. that was my last day. So I'm officially retired from the U.S. government. I'm now working as a contractor uh, doing logistics work uh, with a, a federal agency. And last deployment was? Last deployment, I did a TDY to, uh, to Oman. Which was? Uh, that was uh, to uh, January to March of 2021. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The right, right is, you know, yeah, uh -huh. that's in the middle of COVID. COVID. So can I ask, so like most of your married life, you've, you've had this pattern, you've had this, you've been away, right? The, the, the distance, the deployment. So what is this like now when you guys are like all together? Like you're, there's no more deployments. What, what has that been like? Has that been an adjustment, Stacy? where well, like you're in charge of the household and now he's here and how has that been? I'm I, curious about that. I will say anyone that does deployments, they'll say, you know, you have honestly so much excitement for it ending and being united again and normalcy. And yet, there's huge adjustment to when you come back together again, because exactly what you just said. I mean, my role then changes again or how we do things because he's back. So, um, again, God was so good to us of just we would we would adjust pretty quickly and just love life together. And I think one of our things became is that we would always go away and spend usually spend extra money making a very special memory for the two of us when he would return. And so that would help us ease back into life. But I think um, we've... Yeah. yeah, so we so to put more meat in the bones with that comment, we intentionally, when I would come back from an assignment, I would see the girls for maybe an hour or two, just say hi and <laughs> greet them. And then... Stacy would set them up with someone who'd watch them, whether it was Al Gloria or one of my family members or someone else. And we would go away for a couple of days because our conviction was we needed to make sure our marriage, our communication was in sync. Right. And right. Um, she's my queen. I'm going to spend time with the queen first, and then I'm going to get time with the princesses. So, <laughs> There's the an order. Kind of, you know, once you set that pattern, mm -hmm. um, they they were okay with it. Mm -hmm. They and you know, and I then I'd come back and I would get great great time with them during a you know an R and R or you know they'd give me like three weeks um, of R and R in between you know these uh, one year danger pay assignment. So, wow. I mean, but I think for what you were saying about just how we adjusted back to life together, we just, uh, rather be together than apart. Yeah. And it's just, life is such a fun adventure. And I think we just, uh, yeah, it I, changes all the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but it's just so much fun together and it's an adventure and it's just been a blast. 
It was wow. usually a very seamless transition for the most part. There, there would be some challenges, but uh, I, I've worked with guys who, and this is kind of sad, um, uh, one of my buddies over in my Saudi Arabia tour, um, he worked special forces, um, and um, he was, for 20 years of his marriage, he would deploy for three months, then come home for three months, deploy, come home, and that's what he did for 20 years, and he told me that um, separation kept his marriage together, and I was like, that's insane, I, you know, who would want that type but unfortunately, he retired after 20 years with uh, with the military, and within six months, he was divorced from uh-huh. from his wife. And I, yeah. I, you know, there's lots of tragic tales yeah. of uh, of guys and marriages, relationships like that. Um, so that's why it's not for the faint of heart. I, I when people come and ask, "Hey, what do you should I do this?" <laughs> I, I mean, my first question to them is, "Where are you at with God?" Right. Mm-hmm. Could, can you really handle this? Right. Can well, your wife handle this? Right. I mean, there's so many people that are in similar situations, military people, I'm right. sure. I mean, especially in Virginia, Hampton Roads, that whole area. I mean, heavy duty military area and run into military disciples. Some do great. I mean, yeah. some yeah. just just knock it out of the park and seem to flourish. And so many just tank. Mm-hmm. So what, okay, give me, give me three steps to making it work in marriage and your relationship with God. Cause I mean, there's a lot of balls that you got to keep in the air, your family, your kids, your marriage mm-hmm. and your relationship with God. I mean, you, you've shared some of those, those practices, anything else, because there's a lot of people that are overseas, their marriage is in trouble and they're like, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can handle this. Yeah. Well, I think number one is, you and God. And I think those, I mean, we, we've already said a lot about the daily habits that you have to figure out in these different exceptional situations, be it the one that's deployed and the one that's back home. I think secondly is your marriage. And we've advised others that even with where they're at, that this really, if you have a choice, this may not be the best situation for mm-hmm. you. But I think for us, like I said, we would very quickly have to figure out, and this is what, for me personally, I'd have to pray a lot because the, as he left, you know, I I would have no way to get a hold of him. Mm-hmm. That was always very scary. Mm-hmm. And I would have to wait for the phone call from him. Wow. I'm here. Yeah. And then we would have to go from there about what then our communication could be like. Um, and so... Quickly, though, trying to figure out how could we regularly communicate, which was incredibly important. And then I think one habit that we really learned was, um, and, and we were very blessed in him being with the government, that he could come back every three to four months. Some in the military don't get that. Some mm. it's like six months. Sometimes it's longer. But when he would come back, we would figure out, like he, like he already explained, yeah. Um, our marriage was a priority even above our girls. Mm -hmm. And so we would very quickly go away and get time together and um, really try to just make, we we have some of our most special memories of our marriage Mm -hmm. are from when we, some trips that we took from right after his deployments. And so that, that also really helped strengthen us. Yeah. Okay. I got to share this because I'd meet guys all the time 
So we come back on their R and R's. I'm like, so are you gonna do something with your wife? Are you got anything special? And like, oh no, we're just gonna I'll, we'll go out and get a steak dinner. Oh my gosh. I sit there thinking, no. you're mm. insane, you've been yeah. separated. Right. right. It's like this is like a honeymoon. It's like honeymoon. Now it's deal with knowledge. Yeah. It's not- even better. Yeah. I was, uh, uh, yeah. We've got like Stacy's that some of the wonderful, the wonderful best memories, memories uh, are doing you know some of these uh, returns. But I would say uh, three really simple things, and you know you don't need to complicate it. It's one, um, like Stacy was saying, are both of you all doing well with God mm-hmm. separately? Yeah. I mean that that's got to be the first thing. And if one of you struggling in your relationship with God, it's probably not best to do a deployment like this. Secondly, is your marriage doing well? Mm-hmm. And then, um, and if there's any doubts, then don't deploy. Right. And then third, is your family doing well? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I did uh, quite a few at different moments, but there was uh, one segment, one time about a four-year stretch that I didn't deploy and I didn't look to go do another um, you know, take the family overseas. It was it, we, like, we, we, I needed to be home. Mm-hmm. It was during the teen years and I specifically needed to be home, um, helping Stacy out and I couldn't deploy. And we made a conscious decision, intentional decision to not put in for any assignments and to just, I'm planting roots the next four years. Yeah. to get through this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so. love that. Okay, Stacy, we got to ask, you know, of course, in, in talking about parenting, um, I mean, you have famous parents, you know, so please tell us, what'd you learn from them about marriage and parenting? <laughs> How long do you have? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I could go on for days. Yeah. Uh, so in trying to just think about and even to condense, because so much, I mean, that is just one of the areas of my life that I feel so, so blessed by God for giving me the parents that he's given me. And um, I think I think in terms of marriage, one of the biggest things I saw is that uh, kind of what we try to do and implement is they... Um, after God, they put each other first. And I think for me and my sisters, there was just no question that for them, their marriage was, um, number one, it came before us as them being parents. And that was obvious even in the time spent. And they had made this really great habit to where they would, um, about every other month or so, they would go away. They would just get away for a weekend Um, and I grew up seeing them do that and that instilled that in us, that it's just really important. They would have regular dates. Um, I also, they were amazing and praying together every day and talking about how incredibly important it was to be connected in prayer every day. Um, and I think so blessed to see my mom passed four years ago so they were 58 years of being married and yet they still acted like teenagers in their marriage and there was just such a spark that was still there Mm. and so special that my dad 
they would have just celebrated their 62nd anniversary. And my dad, this has been another inspiration is just, he continues to celebrate her and mm. um, he went away um, on their anniversary, um, 62 years. And he, he sees it like he's still spending time with her and all the letters that they have, he reads through them and um, just celebrates her. And I just, for me, wow. just one of the greatest gifts that we have of that's what we're trying to do is keep the spark alive and not the longer you're married, you just become like, oh yeah, we're married, but you're trying to just keep it exciting and alive and fun. And um, so then as parents, um, you know, with their marriage, I think what I saw was that just the stronger you are together, the better parents you'll be. And mm -hmm. if you don't put the time into your marriage, then you're not going to be great parents. Right. And a lot of times people do it the opposite. Exactly. Right. So we got to take care of our kids and then we come last. Right. And I think I learned from them that it's opposite. You right. got to really put the time into each other so that then you can be the best mom, the best dad possible. Um, they taught us a lot of me, the two words I'd say were they be unified, whatever you're doing and whatever direction you're going in with your kids, you've got to be unified. And then you've got to be consistent about mm. what you've decided mm. to implement with your children. Um, and then I, the other thing that I was thinking, and this one is huge for us right now, right now we are into raising adult children and, um, I sit there reflecting on my parents so amazed at how they did this because we're trying to figure it out is um, not making your kids feel like that you have strong opinions about what they're doing and there could be a right or wrong in the decisions that they're making. My parents were amazing in listening and being very slow to speak. It would mm. not be very often that they were giving us their strong opinions and feelings about what we were doing. Mm. I find that incredibly difficult. <laughs> Amazing yes. adult children. And yeah. we're trying now to do that, to be um, much more, do a lot more listening than we speak. And if we're asked by our girls for advice, then give it, but otherwise try to be quiet. And we do a whole lot of praying. Wow. <laughs> yes. That's what my parents like really yeah. shared it. And I know they did a whole, a lot more praying than they did speaking. Wow. Mm. That's great. That's powerful. Thank you. That helps us. <laughs> that's but our that's stage a, of life. Yeah. We're that. trying to do it. That's right. That's <laughs> great. I could just say um, one of the great things that I really admire about Alan Gloria, um, even more so now. And we'd always talk to them as, as they, we'd spend time together with our kids growing up. We'd always want input. Like, what do you see? You know, in the last week you've seen our daughters, uh, what input would you give in each of this? So we were always trying to get the, those pearls of wisdom, you know, from them. And they were, you know, very open with us. Um, but one of the things that I really admire is how much they didn't, what input they didn't give us. Um, and I think that takes even more wisdom is knowing what not to say. And mm. they made very strategic, intentional, 
you know, moments to just let Stacy and I figure it out mm. and not interject themselves. And uh, we're, we're okay. I'm usually the more opinionated one. So I'm the one that struggles with this more than anything else to just keep my mouth shut. And uh, I just cling to that. Uh, even fools can be wise and they keep their mouth shut. So I just keep, mm. you know, replaying that in my mind whenever I'm tempted <laughs> to just throw something out there. But uh, Stacy does a really good job of that. And I think it's uh, because of a lot of the training that she's had with her, their parents, the example of them. But, um, you know, one of the best things that we've learned, it's actually been recent within the last three months, we've really gotten serious with praying. Um, and it was more so uh, it stemmed from a job situation that I'm in right now. I found it to be kind of toxic and it hasn't been enjoyable and you you feel like you're walking around a pit of snakes and uh, yet you know how do you stay righteous in this and so i just found myself in a very desperate i just gotta pray through this and and so we started about three months ago at the very best part of our day early early morning and and i wake up at 5 30 or 4 30 to kind of start the morning routine um and and to get out of the house uh get to work but uh we take the best part of the day now to pray together oh hold on a second did and, you say 4 <laughs> 30 yeah, yeah. Well, like is that in the morning yeah oh my god wow. part of our challenge yeah. is uh we've got two australian shepherds that uh, need um exercise a good walk uh, and uh, when when our daughters are here they, they get to help us out but when they're not here it's up to, to us, us to figure it out so um i try to get into work pretty early so that means i've just gotta get those dogs walked but anyways um we've now really we don't leave for our jobs till we have a great time of prayer and we make that a priority and i think that's where if i could just encourage others um if you pray at the end of the night thinking this is your moment this is your opportunity one's probably asleep while you're praying and the other's probably praying a very half-hearted prayer and just can't wait to finish and say amen <laughs> and go to bed. so um invest in your prayer life mm -hmm. find the best part of the day as a yeah. couple to do it and it will transform your life we've we even last three months seen answered prayers that, oh. uh, and we've, and our prayers have gotten bolder, more specific. Um, and we've seen God answer these prayers. Wow. So that's great. Anyways. That's awesome. That's that is awesome. awesome. Okay. So you guys have had a, an amazing career. What's on the future? I mean, what's yeah. driving you guys? What's keeping the fire burning? What are you looking forward to as you look forward? Yeah, good question. You, you, your, your kids are out of the house. They're all successful. They're all cranking, doing awesome. What What's your plan? Mm. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> we're still asking it. That's one of the things that we're praying a lot about um, because it's laughable. They talk about empty nest, but our girls keep flying back in. So it's like uh, they're not totally on their own yet. Some are, some are not. And so Wait, I just got to share one's driving back from James Madison University to tag yeah. up with Stacy. They're going to go see the Elton John concert. Tonight. Oh, and on my bucket list. Yeah. Awesome. To go John. And so one yes. of my girls is like so excited to do this with me. I love it. I'm going to do it tonight. So yeah. Love it. 
But, um, you know, a part, I mean, of course, as parents, you know, a part of our dreaming and decisions still, of course, has to do with our, with our girls and what they still need. So we're still very prayerful all the time about God, just where do you want us and what do you want us to be doing? And so, um, we still, God so far has been making it clear that he wants us here in Northern Virginia, but I think we dream very much about just where, where else God can you use us? And that's what we pray about just all the time. I think honestly, we've been very prayerful about looking for a smaller church that we feel like we could go and really even further invest ourselves in, in terms of just helping strengthen marriages, parenting. Um, and we both, um, I, my um, school, many of my students and, and parents, of course, are Spanish speaking. And so I've inspired Andy, we both are working on our Spanish. And we both dream about, um, with hope, probably being able to go and travel to Spanish speaking countries, and go there and involve ourselves with just the work there with hope. And um, how could we serve? How could we give there? So I think we dr dream a lot about traveling right. um, to places like that where we could just go and help strengthen churches. Right. And of course, well, then be what's, here it's to funny. be with our girls. I, I know this. There's a smaller church down in Tucson, Arizona. Right. Yes. And, and close, we're, close we are to the so border. close to the border. Lots you know, of Spanish well, speakers. Spanish speakers. Well, there well, we go. Yep. Oh my gosh. You better you better call that couple. <laughs> and then a church under 200s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go. The parameters. So. But okay. I think great. part of the challenge is we feel like our daughters are still, we got two that uh, are still in undergraduate work. Uh, one's going to finish soon. That's Karina. Um, and she's going to get her nursing degree in December. And we're really excited about how God is working in her life. Um, the fourth, Kimmy, is at Virginia Tech. In fact, I went down to the Virginia Tech WVU football game and had one of the greatest college football game experiences that I've ever had in my life. And that wow. was just two days ago. Wow. But, um, She's going to be graduating in in the spring of 2023, and it's looking like she's going to do uh, an accelerated nursing program also. So, um, you know, in some ways, we'd love to say, we're going to do this, and we're going to go here, and we're right. going to buy a place here, and, and everything just kind of squares away. But I feel like until um, kind of our daughters are at a, at a, until they get traction in life, I feel like we, we have to kind of be in this uh, holding pattern right. Right. and be kind of a, a safe place for them to exactly. then springboard to their next adventures. Right. Does that make sense? Okay. I've got, I've got one more question for you here. Um, what do you tell your daughters? Okay. Looking for Mr. Right. Okay. Yeah. You've, you found Mr. Right. It was challenging, but I know for us with, with our daughter, it was, it was challenging. And, you know, what, what do you tell them in terms of just, Hey, um, finding, find finding a spiritual man who's going to lead you. Any advice that you give any, any thoughts on that? You want to say the, the prayer? Um, yeah. You want to go ahead? Yeah, go I'll ahead. say, well, here's what we pray every day. Um, for the most part, I pray that um, their husbands will love God more than they even love our daughters, but they'll love our daughters more than they love themselves. 
and that they'll be great fathers to our grandchildren. So mm. that's kind of the framework of what we pray for our still. So, and they know they know we're praying that. So I think that <laughs> that instilled in them um, what we hope and pray that they're looking for and right. what matters the most. And right. those have been the conversations even of late, I'd say especially with our older two that we've been having is that, you know, if you can find a man who loves God more than anything else, everything else will, in a sense, take care of itself. Right. That's right. That exactly. can be your number one focus and that that's what it is for you. If that's what you're both focused on, um, everything else will figure itself out. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, honestly, at the same time, I mean, because right now we have two that are striving to very faithfully walk with God and then two that are right now on their journey and trying to, you know, figure figure that out for themselves. And so that's interesting because with them right now, it's not as much having conversations about that. Honestly, there are places that they're not necessarily wanting a relationship yet. They're not feeling ready for that, but they very much know what we pray all the time and what we that we pray all the time that at the right time they will find you know a man that's going to help them love god and that they both together will love god so i think that's the biggest thing we try to emphasize with them um because they're definitely on their journey to have to figure out who that is right we're not (laughs) i say to them all the time I am so grateful that we are all not a part of arranging marriages. <laughs> I would totally mess that one up. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I would say there are some signs, some some things that you can look for, and we definitely hear some things that um, that we we tell them. One, um, are they the future person that you're interested? In? Are, are they givers? Yeah. Are, is that is that part of their personality? Um, is, um, do they like children? I think children, you can see a lot in someone's spirituality, just with the rubber hitting the road. How do they handle being around kids? Right. Do they like being around kids? Yeah. They want to have kids. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I yeah. think those are great yeah. things, uh, for them to be looking for. Um, and then, you know, proven character. Oh, that's, that's something that I really loved about, Stacy um, and was really, I mean, in many ways, our uh, courtship was just a leap of faith, but I'll never forget. I'm in the Paris church. I haven't gone on that blind date. It's on a Wednesday midweek service. I talked to John McGurk and he looks at me and he says, oh, I heard you going out on a date. I said, yeah, I'm going to take this uh, Stacy Baird. And he looked at me and he said, Stacy Baird. She's a faithful woman. <laughs> all he said. And to this day, that. it really has been yeah. kind of the hallmark yeah. of Stacy. And mm. um, I love, you know, the proven character. She yeah. went through some tough times and kind of, uh, mm. you know, figured out, you know, how to keep her heart pure. I think, honestly, her story of faith and becoming a disciple is inspiring. Mm. Because it's not easy to raise, you know, a family in the kingdom, in the church, and for them to get the heart of God, I think is the hardest thing to do. Mm. Yeah. What all our kids are trying to do now. Right, yeah. right, right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, what advice would you give 
to those who want to make this life count? I mean, you've given a lot of great practicals. Anything? You know, um, I would say live the convictions you learned when you first studied the Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even get a little goosebumps when I think back on those uh, days back in 1988. Uh, when I did the word study, I was just amazed. Like, <laughs> this finally makes sense. And all of the spiritual confusion and mishmash that I'd been fed, the, the spiritual potato chips, I finally was eating some real meat. And then I did the kingdom study and I was like, oh my gosh, this makes sense. There's the, the church is the kingdom. That's incredible. Yeah. Like who's the genius who fucked this thing up? <laughs> and uh, yeah. then I loved, absolutely loved. I will never forget doing the discipleship study and I finished the study just blown away. And I, I remember Brian Scanlon saying, disciple equals Christian equals saved. Andy, are you a disciple? I was like, well, no. And are you Christian? I was like, no. And are you saved? I was like, no. It's like, oh my, I was, I was so wiped out from that. I went and I did a two hour workout, punching bag workout. I was so mad, so upset. I felt like I've been lied to for 27 years of my life. No one told me the truth. And finally, like, you know, the veil had been removed, the door was open and like, there it is. This is, and it was so simple. And yet then I got mad at myself uh, ultimately because I had the Bible around me and I was going to these different denominational churches and um, I never had the guts to connect God's word to my life and making a decision. In fact, at 27 years old, I, I was the first time I ever made a, a decision on my own without a spiritual guru or my family influencing me. It was just me and God's word. And that's what made it so special. Um, and I'd even say, you know, there's some studies that we do that um, you should live all your life, like the seeking God study. There's some things in that study that we've tried to teach our girls, like be wholehearted in everything they do, whatever activity, whatever sport, whatever class, even if they hate the class, it's like, you're going to find your heart if you just give it your best and uh, you'll be successful if you give all of your heart you know it's like there's so many great qualities and convictions that you can have to live your life just in the in the study series Mm -hmm. yeah that's great and i just add um gratitude Mm. that's my mom was such a great example of just someone who was so positive Mm. and joyful but so much of what she taught me was um i can choose to be grateful all the time Mm. if i choose that and i can look and have the perspective of again whatever situation um it's either half empty or half full Mm. and i think the more that i can see god's blessings and look at them that way even in the challenges it's amazing how much that inspires me and just continues to help my perspective in life and spurs me on and helps me even in the hard times, which we all know. And the thing you keep experiencing as you get older is life is hard. Yeah. Hardship comes, you know, God does not shield us from hardship, right. but I can neither see it as a blessing or curse. And that's really up to me. Right. And the more I can look at these things as blessings, the more I will be blessed. 
the more I'll learn from it. And so I think I even have a gratitude journal that I use every day. And every day I write down three things that I'm grateful for. And in the midst of hardship, there are good things. There are blessings mm -hmm. that I, if I choose to see it that way, if I choose to focus on it. So that, that helps spur me on. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you. Gosh. Andy and Stacy, thank helpful. you so much for your time. We <laughs> really appreciate it. It's yeah. great to get to know you a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great hey, talking you. to you guys. Yeah, thank you. This has actually been super encouraging. Yeah, for, uh, for me, I'm sure for Stacy. I mean, and you guys have so have for... have lived such a yeah. a how would I say it? Not unorthodox, but unique, unusual, yes. and unique life. Yeah, very, yeah. I mean, yes. not not the easy life. That's for sure. Right. I mean, you're in the ministry, and then. You had a job that's taking overseas and you're separated for long stretches of time. And yet you've been successful in staying happy in your marriage, right. growing in your marriage, staying close to God and raising great kids. Yeah. That's well, I yeah. think what we what we see it as is God has just given us a great adventure. And mm. life is just such a wonderful adventure. And God continues to keep it that way. So that's amazing. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. Really respect you and yes. what you've done. Please come visit us in Tucson. That would be really yeah. fun. We will. Okay, please do. We'd have a good time. We, uh, we uh, we've heard that you do. Yes. <laughs> we're just we're just down the road from your dad, so there's no reason why you can't come That's visit us. That's right. I know. Good. <laughs> All the best to you guys. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining the Rob Skinner Podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about it and how to find it. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.